Would you please pray with me? Oh, Father God, who is this King of glory? Who is both beautiful and wonderful? A King who comes not with a sword, but with a towel. A King who comes to conquer with love. A King who would surrender his life so that we could have victory. Who is this King of glory? Who is this beautiful Savior? Who is this wonderful King? He is Jesus, your Son, our Savior. And oh, how we love Him because He first loved us. And oh, what a privilege it is to know and to be known by this King of kings and this Lord of lords. Open up our hearts, our minds, and our eyes to see his beauty afresh, we pray. Amen. Now we're going to practice something. Reggie asked you to stay seated so we can watch the kids. And everybody stood up. So you ready? Everybody be seated. Very good. They did it. We wanted to watch the kids, and you all standing up, and I couldn't see, and my kid was there, and that's a good-looking one that came by, but uh, that was great. Very good. Good morning. Have I told you lately that I love you? It's true. But more importantly, this King of Glory does, and he is beautiful. This morning, we, got, we have to look at a portrait of Scripture that really, it's almost inconceivable the picture of a beautiful savior i mean there's a wonderful king to discover that is more wonderful than these lips can articulate and it does fill my heart it's my hope and prayer as we look at this picture of this beautiful savior this wonderful king who comes in the most upside down manner who comes in a way it's hard to imagine he he comes to serve he comes to lay down not our lives, but his life. And he conquers through a cross and an empty tomb and a towel and a basin and love. We're going to look at John 13. As we look at John 13, we're going to look at verses 1 through 17 and verses 34 and 35 and really the sermon that I am going to preach is going to be wrapped up in just the reading of this text. And then we'll have some application uh, at the end for us to consider. But it's my hope and prayer as we look at this, because we look at chapter 13 of the Gospel of John, we are seeing the totality of Jesus' ministry in capsule form. I mean, there's such a beautiful portrait of what Jesus has come to do. He's come to not be served, but to serve. He's come to lay down his life and make it a ransom for for us, for many. He's come to earth and he's taken off the garments of eternity and the garments of the king of glory and he's he's put on the garments of of a servant, of a man. He's come to wash us and cleanse us and make us beautiful to the Father. He's come to open up 
ancient doors of heaven that have been sealed shut by our sins. He is beautiful. He is wonderful. He is marvelous. And oh, how we need to see his beauty in this text. So turn with me to John chapter 13 and be prepared to be once again in awe and in love with Jesus. Again, as we turn, let us pray again. Father God, there is nothing more beautiful. There is nothing more wonderful. There is nothing more glorious than your son, our savior, Jesus. And father, we're going to look into your word to see a picture of your son and to see a picture of who we are supposed to be as yours. And father, I want to begin by confessing how much I need to be cleansed afresh through the son Father, I want to confess that I just don't have words that can do justice to the beauty of Jesus. So God, you're going to have to come and come with power through your spirit and and speak through a broken vessel so that we can see afresh the beauty of Jesus. Father, for those who have never seen the beauty of Jesus, think they might know him. God, open their eyes for the first time of the wonder and the awe of a king with a towel and a basin of water, a king and a cross. Father, for those of us that know your son as Savior, remind us afresh of his love that never fails, that rescues. Father, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to respond, and feet to walk in a manner worthy of the beauty of this wonderful King. We pray all this in Christ's powerful name. Amen. Let's look together at John 13, starting in verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Here is this beginning scene of this drama You're going to have the disciples having a meal with Jesus. A meal in this last week of passion. Some will think that this is uh, the meal that Jesus gave us, the Lord's Supper, the Passover lamb. Really, John 19 talks more specifically about this meal. I believe this is just one of the meals he had before that feast. But it doesn't matter. What we know is this. We know that Jesus was going to have a meal with his disciples. And he was going to have one more lesson to give to them. A dying lesson, if you will. One more thing that they just couldn't miss. Because what Jesus was doing as the King of glory, as the King of kings and Lord of lords, he was preparing his posse, his 12, to change the world. He was giving them final instructions to conquer I mean, to go and conquer the world, this ragtag bunch of fishermen and tax collectors are going to be used as a primary A plan now to go and change the world. And Jesus is going to have a meal with them and he's going to give them some last instructions. But one of the things we got to see is this. Jesus knew the hour was at hand. Sometimes some liberal scholars want to tell us about a Jesus who really didn't know what was happening, who kind of stumbled into this Messiah complex. And oh, by the way, he was nailed to a cross. It's not Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible knew why he came 
to seek and to save the lost. He knew that he came and his going home would go via a cross in his death. He knew that one of the 12, John 6 makes this very clear, one of the 12 was, was of Satan that would betray him. Jesus knew. He knew. He knew what was about to come. And he had the weight of that reality on his shoulders. Did you know, you know the weight of that when you know something's about to happen? You know the weight? I mean, sometimes we'll say ignorance is bliss. At least ignorance is weightless. I mean, if we don't know what tomorrow brings, we, we can just say, okay, Jesus, I want to trust you about tomorrow. But if you have a major surgery tomorrow, I mean, if, if you have a major appointment with your lawyer tomorrow, if, if there's a major uh, part of your life that you know is coming, maybe for a student it's a, it's a test you're not prepared for, and just that anxiety that the hour is coming, let me just make sure we have the understanding of the context here. Jesus knew the hour that was about to come, that was at hand. He knew that he had come from the Father, he was going back to the Father, and he was going to love them to the end. I was a small boy, and I wasn't much of a fisherman, although we had a cottage on one of the Finger Lakes in upstate New York. But as a cousin came to visit me, he said, let's go fishing. And so if I was going to go fishing, I want to catch the biggest fish imaginable, as a lousy fisherman. So I thought, well, I'll get the biggest lure I can find. I got a lure probably bigger than most fish in the lake. Put that on my end of my rod, and we took the little boat out into the middle of the lake to catch the big one. Before we even turned off the motor to the boat, I had managed to have the lure stuck in my sweatshirt. And it had all kinds of hooks coming off of it. So the more I tried, the more it got stuck. And in my motto in life is, if it doesn't fit, force it. So I forced it, ripped it right out of my sweatshirt and into my finger. Yeah, I agree. It hurt. Still had the scar. And there it was, dangling off my finger, in which I would let no one touch it. And I began to realize I have a problem. We go back in, cut the string, and, and, and I have people say, let me try to get that out for you. No, no, we, we got to go to see a doctor. And just a thought, you know that thought of just knowing that a doctor is going to have to take this out? I mean, this was a minor thing, for goodness sakes. But I want you to know, I was brave and heroic. I really was. I screamed like a sissy girl. I was continually screaming while the doctor had the lure out of my finger and in his hand. So you can stop screaming now, young boy. (laughs) The weight of knowing that something was coming and it was painful scared me to death. And it made me lose all consciousness about you and, and caring about anyone else. And I really just wanted to care about me. Jesus knew the end was near. This king of glory, this king of kings and lord of lords knew what he was about to do. He knew that he had to depart from this world and his departure would cost him his very life. And yet he does something absolutely unbelievable, unfathomable. He loved us to the end. How are you when you're sick? How are you when you have a weight on your shoulders? I don't know about you, but truthfully, I'm a baby. I want everybody to stop what they're doing and wait on me. And, and really, I, don't you understand? I got something big here. Don't you understand? It's like the world should revolve around me. I mean, think of Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, knowing that he had to become this, our sin, knowing he had to become a curse on the cross, knowing what he had to go through, was it not the time to say, guys, listen, it's time to show me some love. It's time to show me some respect. 
Really, the time has come for you to just to prop me up because I'm telling you, just pour the wine, break the bread, because this is going to be hell on earth. But instead, he says, I'm, I'm going to love you. And I'm going to love you until the end. Now, think about who he's loving, okay? These are those in the room, every single one of them is going to run from him. Some of the closest ones who say that they'll die with him are going to curse heaven and say, I swear to God, I don't even know him. And there's one there that's already betrayed him. There's one there that's already turned his life over to the authorities and whose innocent blood is on his hands. And he's going to love them to the end. I mean, don't you think he would say, okay, let's come up with a plan B here, fellas. You guys just aren't going to get it, the whole lot of you. You've, you've failed. You've been miserable failures. You keep on missing the point. And yet he loved them to the end. And he wouldn't stop loving them. Is he a beautiful king? Is he a wonderful savior? One that in this hour of need, look at the beauty of his love, my brothers and sisters. In this hour of need, knowing what was going to happen, he loved us. Do you ever wonder if God still loves you? Do you ever wonder if he can really love messes like us? Do you really think he's going to love us to the end? Look at the disciples. Look at these guys. And realize, he says, I'm going to love you into the cross. I'm going to love you to the, open, uh, uh, the uh, uh, empty tomb. I'm going to love you for all eternity. I have a hard time loving myself. I look in the mirror and it screams at, back at me, loser, sinner. Is it that way with you? Society tells me all the things I haven't done and all the ways that I'm still undone and all the ways that I'm still broken. I have a hard time loving myself to the end. But here's Jesus saying, I'm going to love you and I'm not going to stop loving you. I know the truth about you. I know your thought life. I know your deeds. And if you're mine and you've been cleansed in my blood, I am not going to stop loving you. Is that good news? Is that not a beautiful Savior? Is that not a wonderful king? What an incredible, wonderful portrayal of his love for us, that he would love us even to the end. During supper, when the devil had, in verse 2, had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. I mean, this satanic scheme was already in motion. And listen, Jesus knew. And when you get to the marvel of Jesus washing the feet and the dust of the one who has already used that dust, to gather that dust to go and betray him. Look at this love. He knew it. Jesus, knowing the Father, had given all things into his hands, and he had come from God, and he was going back to God. Here's the reality. Jesus, in verse chapter 14, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to heaven except through me. You see, the, the door of heaven had been sealed shut because of our sin. We've disqualified ourselves from God's love. And Jesus has come, full of grace and truth, to say, I'm going to rip open heaven. I've come from the Father. And listen what he did. He came to the Father on earth. He says, I'm going to represent my Father to you. Everything I hear from the Father, I'm going to tell you. Everything my Father tells me to do, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to represent heaven here on earth. But I'm going back home. And as I do, I'm ripping open heaven's doors and I'm representing you in heaven. 
I'm going to go to heaven and I'm going to be your mediator and I'm going to be your savior and your big brother and your friend and your king and I'm going home and I'm taking you with me. I'm going back home, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw wide open the door. I'm going to make sure the Father ushers you in because you're going to be cleansed and beautiful in me. And God says, the Father says, I'm going to put all things. The only hope we have is in Jesus and no one else. Not in Muhammad, not in Buddha, not in ourselves. The only way home is Jesus. All things are placed in his hands and he doesn't fail. It says in verse 4 that he rose from supper. And he laid aside outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began washing the disciples' feet and wiping them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Supper was going on. King James says that supper was over, but clearly supper is not over. And here's what I truly believe was happening. Supper is going on and Jesus is watching. He's looking around the room to see which one will love their brothers enough and which one will love their king enough to wash each other's feet. Because it was customary to do so before a meal. They've already been to the bathhouse. They're clean, but they still have the dust of walking from the bath to the upper room on their feet. They need to be cleansed and he's waiting for them. But what have the disciples been doing? Luke 22 tells us very clearly what the disciples have been doing at this very important time. Are you ready for this? They've been arguing. They've been arguing over who is the greatest. And I'm telling you what, when you argue over who is the greatest, you don't stand up to serve. When you want worldly greatness, you'll miss godly humility. When you want worldly greatness, it's going to make you sit in your chair and say, I'm not going to stand and wash their feet. I want to be number one. Jesus just watches and waits. And no one's going to rise. So the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the eternal Son of God, the God made flesh, Emmanuel, stands to serve. Do you see the beauty of Jesus? You see the beauty of a king who serves? You know what he does? He disrobes. Kings aren't supposed to disrobe. There's a dignity to be a king, right? There's a dignity that comes with the office. And not only does he disrobe, he also puts on a towel and he girds himself to serve. And Jesus looks like some common servant. And you know what Judas was thinking? Good thing I betrayed this guy because no king acts like that. This is the king of the Jews? This guy's a joke. This guy doesn't know how to act like a king. This guy acts like a common servant boy who will lose his dignity to serve. There's a passage in 2 Samuel 6 and it's a story of the king, the earthly king who was the greatest King David who had a heart after God who loved his God with all of his heart. And this king was a regal king. He was a mighty king. He was a wonderful king. He was a renaissance king. He had it all. He certainly had some sins. But when the Ark of the Covenant, when God's very presence was ushered into Jerusalem, do you know what this king did? This king disrobed. 
He disrobed so he could worship. He didn't want to be tethered by the robes of a, uh, of a king. And so he took off his outer, outer garment. And when God's presence came by in the Ark of the Covenant, you know what he did? He danced. He danced like a fool. He was so excited about God's presence that he didn't care about his dignity. He didn't care about his royalty. He didn't care about his robes. He's going to throw them off to say, I'm with the King of kings and Lord of lords. God is in our presence. I'm going to worship the king. And what do you think about a king who loses his dignity before God? I hope it makes your heart sing. I hope you say, yes, of course a king should lose his dignity before God because he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings. But look at Jesus. He disrobes in front of us to serve us and to wash our feet. The greater king than King David is is King Jesus. And yes, King David lost his dignity. One of his wives came to him and said, oh, how the king has distinguished himself today. Boy, all in front of all those servant girls, taking off your clothes and dancing around like some clown. Kings don't do that, David. He says, oh yeah, in front of my God I do. And here you have the King of kings and Lord of lords taking off his outer garments, putting on that of a servant and saying, this is what kings do. This is what servants do. This is what it means to see the beauty of service. So here he comes. He's going to wash the disciples' feet. He's going to wash all of them, including Judas's. And he comes to Simon Peter, who said to him, and they're so emphatic here. I mean, the Greek here is screaming at us. And Peter, I mean, in in love, you would think, and and, and trying to be respectful to Jesus, he says this, Lord, you, my feet to wash? Never, never. Lord, Jesus, you're a king. Get dressed. Put on your clothes. Do you know the, the indignity? Do you know what you're doing, Jesus? I mean, you're master, you're lord. You're not supposed to be down there at my feet. Never will you wash my feet. Jesus says to him, what I'm doing, you don't understand now, verse 7. But afterwards, you'll understand. Peter said to him, listen, my brothers and sisters, listen to this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Is Peter a hero? Is Peter the only one that gets it? I mean, does Peter have such a love for Jesus that he just hates to see him in this position? I mean, he loves Jesus so much that please put your clothes on. And get to your rightful place at the head of the table. I mean, is is Peter the only one who gets it? But look what Peter does. Jesus says to him, listen, you don't get this now, Peter, but you're going to. Trust me. Look what Peter says. Never will you wash my feet. Do you see the pride of Peter? Here's what Peter was saying. I know better than you, Jesus. Jesus, you're a disrobed king. You're disgracing yourself. You may tell me that I'm going to know better, but no, no, no. Let me tell you, Jesus, you're not going to do it. I'm not going to let you. Jesus, my ways are better than your ways. My thoughts are better than your thoughts. 
I want you, Jesus, to be this kind of king. I'm not bowing to that kind of Jesus. How many ways in our lives do we say to Jesus, never will you wash my feet? Never. Because my ways are better than your ways. Jesus, I just know better. I really do. And and, and you can't be calling me to serve you this way. It can't look like this. See the pride of Peter? It's cloaked in humility. I mean, on the surface, it looks like Peter really has got something working here. He sees the beauty of Jesus, and he does. And listen, let's let a little tension out. Peter loves, loves, loves Jesus. We're going to see that in the next verse. But I want to ask this question. Is our pride and our picture of Jesus keeping us from really seeing him as he is? Keeping us from doing what he's really calling us to do. Well, here's Peter. Never. You should never do it. And Jesus says to him, answers him, If I don't wash you, you have no share with me. Peter, (laughs) Peter, if I don't wash you, we can't walk together. I'm preparing you for a kingdom Peter, if I don't wash you, you have no part of me. My brothers and sisters, we got to stop and say, what does that mean to us? You see, if Jesus doesn't wash us with his shed blood, if we haven't been cleansed and robed in his righteousness, we can have no part of him. That's where it all begins. When we embrace Jesus as Savior and say, yes, Jesus, you're washing my feet now, but it's a symbol of what your blood is going to be doing. It's going to be washing my soul and my body. It's going to make me beautiful in the Father's sight. And if you don't wash me, nothing else can. Have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? Have you seen Jesus as the servant king on the cross? Do you own, have that as an ownership in your soul? Because without it, he has nothing to do with us. <laughs> Peter, chuckle, chuckle with Peter. I mean, chuckle at Peter. Look at verse 9. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then not my feet only, but my hands and my head. Just give me a bath. I want it all. Because the thought of being away from you is repugnant. you got to love Peter for that. <laughs> The thought of losing Jesus, he's saying, God, okay, give me everything you got. I can't even think about losing you. And Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. He's thinking of Judas, for he knew that he was to be to betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. Now, here's the deal. If you've come to Jesus Christ as Savior, and if you've acknowledged your sins, if you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, Scripture says you shall be saved. You will be made new. You are given new life. And you are forever loved, because he's going to love you to the end. And you are forever cleansed. He's never going to change his mind about you. And that means that we are clean. By God's grace, for those of us who have been bathed in the blood of the Lamb through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we are forever His children, forever clothed in His beauty and righteousness, and that will never change. And it doesn't mean that week after week after week we have to ask God to save us over and over and over again. It's a one and done deal. Make sense? Yet at the same time, 
We go through life and we still have lustful hearts. We still do things on our own. We still are sinful and we need to have daily cleansing. Specific daily cleansing. Lord Jesus, I am not honoring you in my thoughts. I'm not honoring you in my deeds. Lord Jesus, the way I talked to my wife was sinful. The way I disciplined my kids were wrong. The way I looked at this work report was not honoring to you. Whatever it is, daily we need to be cleansed. If we're his. Once and for all, if we're not. Where are you today? Are you in the daily category just coming to Jesus afresh this morning and saying, wash my feet, Jesus? Because each and every one of us, no matter who you are, we bring in the baggage of life. And we need to be cleansed again. But if we're his, he'll never change his mind about us and he will love us to the end. Verse 12. When he washed their feet and put on outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? And for some reason I hear Peter yelling out, yeah, you washed our feet. And thinking, hello, but I think he got it by now. Do you understand what I've done to you? Listen, you call me teacher and Lord. Interesting combination of words. Both rabbi, both the one who will teach us and the one who owns us, Lord. The one who will show us, but the one that we will bow to. I mean, this is teacher and Lord. And you are calling Jesus teacher and Lord, Jesus says, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Did you hear that? You know what it really says? If I'm God, and I'm Messiah, and I'm teacher, and I'm going to lay aside my glory, and I'm going to take on humanity, and I'm going to pick up a towel and a basin, and I'm going to serve. You're obligated to do the same. That word ought really is obligated. I mean, if we're his, out of response and love and joy to a wonderful, beautiful king, we are obligated to wash one another's feet. Verse 15. For I've given you an example that you should do just as I've done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than those who sent him. If you do these things, blessed are you. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you. What an incredible picture of a beautiful king. What an incredible picture of a wonderful, merciful savior. Think of the upside down nature of this kingdom. The last words of instruction aren't men, saddle up your horses, gird up your loins, and go find swords. Because we got a world to kill and a world to conquer. It's not a king who will say, I'm Lord of Lords, King of Kings, kneel to me or you'll die. It's a king that says this right now. I'm Lord of Lords and King of Kings. My brothers and sisters, gird up your loins to fight. Get a towel and get a basin. Be ready to serve. Now, this is what it's going to look like, church. I don't want you to wear robes of royalty. I don't want you to walk around all haughty and puffed up. I want you to be servants. I want you to remove each other's sandals, and I want you to wash feet. I want you to be willing to give up your cloak and walk an extra mile, all because I have shown you what to do. 
Look at verse 34. A new commandment I give you, he says. A new commandment is that you love one another as I have loved you. And as you love one another this way, they will know that you are mine. A king is giving us instructions today, my friends. The king of kings and lord of lords. And the instructions are to serve and to wash and to humble ourselves. And you're doing it. You really are. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of this church. I think this is, we're understanding more and more. Jesus has showed us himself and who he is. And we've realized what it means to be a part of the king's army. It means things like building homes and feeding the poor and giving away medical services and anything we can to wash each other's feet. This week I had the privilege of, uh, through the generosity of a dear friend, to go to Tavistock and see Tiger Woods play up close. I mean, I was as close to Tiger Woods as I am to Mary, and man, was that a thrill. I think it was a thrill for him too. Not quite sure, but the way he looked at me, pretty sure it was. But it was amazing to see Tiger Woods and just to see him walk. I mean, talk about being regal. I mean, talk about being almost superhuman. I mean, this Adonis-looking, chiseled athlete. And everything he did, I, I promise you, I'm not kidding you. I thought I was watching like a video game. I mean, it was so surreal to see him up close. And it was so neat to have such an intimate setting that sometimes I could stand right next to him as it teed off and just hear the sound. Whoosh. I don't hit it like that. And it uh, is to see him uh, taking maybe his second shot, but it was, some, it was so close and intimate that we could decide, hey, this is a short hole. Let's go and sit at the green and watch him hit onto the green. And we look back and we try to see Tiger. There are a lot of other real great athletes out there, but there was Tiger. And you know what? You can tell when he started to swing. Oh, that's Tiger. No one else has that swing. And even though we were far away and it was a little bit indistinguishable between what athletes were who, you knew, by the way, he swung. Jesus says this, listen, I want the world to be able to watch you swing and watch you walk and watch you serve. I wanted him to say, Jesus. That's Jesus. The way they love one another. I mean, the way they, they serve in the nurseries, their other kids that they're not even their own. The way they set up and tear down the sanctuary. The way they decide, I'm going to cook a meal for everybody after ministry fair. The way that we're going to give our time and our resources it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And he's beautiful. And he's wonderful. And he's king. And who would ever have thought he would conquer us with love? And who would ever thought that he would conquer us with a cross? And who would ever thought, think that he would say to us now, you are my aid plan. Go. And go with a towel. And, and go with a basin filled with water. And love him. In my name. And love each other because we got a world to conquer. It'll be our privilege as a leadership of this church this Thursday to wash your feet. And I'm not really looking forward to seeing your feet. And it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be uncomfortable for you. It's going to be uncomfortable for us. But you got to understand that it was really uncomfortable in that upper room. When Jesus stood up to, to, to serve, I mean, the whole atmosphere changed. And that dialogue with Peter, that got things a little bit more uncomfortable. 
But it gives us an example of who we are in Christ. And we want to have the privilege of remembering our King and serving one another as we serve you. The worship band is going to come forward and we're going to sing, um, Oh, praise Him. Oh, praise Him. Listen, if you're there, if you're here this morning, if you've been washed with the blood of the Lamb, if you are clean and beautiful in His sight, can you not sing, Oh, praise Him? So for those of us, by God's grace, who have been bathed in Christ's blood, who have daily been washed by His uh, gentle hands, let us stand and sing to His glory, to His fame. And for those of you who have yet to be bathed in Christ, let me encourage you, today is the day. Come to Christ Jesus and bow to this incredible King. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, thank You so much for Your Spirit that is alive and well at Orangewood. The Father, because of Christ's example and leadership, you are showing us and you are leading us to slip one another's sandals off and to wash each other's feet and to wash the feet of this community in the name of Jesus so that we can conquer for our King, conquer with a towel and with a basin. Oh, praise Him. Praise Him who has conquered us through serving We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Please stand.